following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Uh, we're starting a new series this morning in the book of Psalms. So uh, we worked our way through Daniel for several months this year and finished that off a couple of weeks ago, and uh, today we're going to start five weeks in the book of Psalms. So in your Bible, if you, if you try opening your Bible as close to the middle as you can, you should open it pretty much at the book of Psalms, all right? So go for the closest midpoint in the Bible, and you should hit one of the Psalms somewhere. The Psalms are a collection of songs uh, hymns, poems that were written to God and about God. Uh, they come out of the life of ancient Israel, They're songs that uh, Israel wrote to worship God, to praise Him, to thank Him, to declare His greatness and His goodness and His glory, to ask God for things, um, petition Him, plead with Him, intercede to Him, uh, pour out their hearts to God in the midst of troubled times and so on. And what we're going to do over the next five weeks is take five different types of psalms. There's such a diversity of psalms in this book, different styles and flavors and expressions and focus areas of these psalms. And so I've chosen five that reflect something of the diversity that you find in this collection. And we'll work our way through them over the next five weeks. So just to set this up, set the scene for the whole book of psalms, here's a video clip of Bono from U2 talking about psalms. Let's watch the screen. There's a few of those uh, little video snippets on the Fuller website if you want to go and uh, have a look at them, Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, the most popular one is uh, Bono speaking with Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible. There's a good video clip of him talking with Eugene Peterson, but he's done a few since then, all on various themes to do with the Psalms. So today, Psalm 67. Hopefully that video whet your appetite a little bit to dive into this book of the Bible. And uh, we are going to read today Psalm 67. So let me read this Psalm to you. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us still. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Well, one of the uh, fixtures that you see at most international sporting events is the singing of the national anthem. Saw it again last night before the Lions game. Uh, I, I thought it was a shame that the Lions didn't have any kind of anthem. You know, they don't have... I thought it was going to be God Save the Queen, but apparently that's not appropriate for the Lions because of the Irish, you know? You've got to keep the Irish happy. So they just said, the Lions just had to stand there and watch and listen while the All Blacks had their, had their anthem. Uh, but actually, I was surprised to learn that uh, New Zealand's national anthem was God Save the Queen until 1977. That was much more recent than I thought. It feels like God Defend New Zealand has been around forever. But um, I think that's just because it's been around forever in my lifetime. Um, it was 1977 that that became the actual national anthem. I think it's a good national anthem. 
I don't know about you, I know it's got its critics, God Defend New Zealand, but I reckon it's pretty good, even though the words were written by an Irishman, and, and the melody by an Australian, Australian-born, Tasmanian-born, unbelievable, but it's still a good anthem, I think, and um, remarkable that here we are in one of the most secular countries in the world, and yet we have one of the most Christian national anthems in the world. I mean, it would have to be, wouldn't it? One of the most Christian, I mean, you read verse after verse, it's just got all of this God language through it. It just reads like a worship song. It's wonderful. Uh, probably why we only hear the first verse half the time. But it's just, it reads like a, like a worship song to God. It's wonderful. Uh, and amazing, even in that first verse that we always sing, the way that it starts off addressing God as the God of nations, and just that idea, I mean, we say it and we hear it so much we don't think about it, but just consider that, that, that title for God, the God of nations, that He is the God who's enthroned above the nations, exalted above the nations. He has supremacy and preeminence over all the nations of the earth. It's a wonderful statement about who God is, even though the song's asking God to defend New Zealand. It begins by talking about the God of nations. And that, I think, would be a good title for the psalm. Psalm 67. The Psalms don't have titles, probably for good reason, but if this one did, uh, I reckon it could be called God of Nations, because that's what it's about. This is a psalm, a big psalm that takes a big view of the God of all nations. It talks about God's sovereignty over the nations, God's authority over the nations, and God's plan for the nations, that God's got a purpose. He's got a, an intentionality. For the nations, and that's unfolded through the psalm. And so, this Psalm 67, it's kind of like Israel's anthem to the God of nations. It wasn't actually their national anthem, but it could have been. And so, let's dive in, look at some of the details here. The first verse of the psalm says this May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Now, those words might sound a little bit familiar to some of you, maybe. Uh, they may be familiar because A, you've read your Bible or B, you've come to a baby dedication at Shaw Community Church because we pray these words. Do you remember? When, when we dedicate children, often what I'll do is pray, and as part of that prayer, I pray words very close to these words. And in fact, the prayer is based on a much earlier prayer in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 6, which is a, a blessing. It's a prayer of blessing, a priestly blessing for the nation of Israel. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. And this was a blessing that God instructed the priests to pray over the people of Israel as a way of showing and expressing his favor upon his people. In fact, the very next line of that, of that um, blessing talks about, so they will put my name, this is God talking, so they will put my name on the Israelites. That blessing was a way of God marking the Israelites with his name, stamping them with his name, declaring that these are my people. These are the ones who are blessed and chosen and favored by me. And so at the beginning of the psalm, the psalmist more or less recites some of those words, some of the opening words from that blessing in number six, the Lord bless us and keep us and make his face shine upon us. And so you might think as it starts that way that this is going to be a psalm about God's blessing resting upon Israel as his chosen favored people. But in fact, it starts to go in a different direction in verse 2. So that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. 
Now, very often in the Bible, the most important words are the smallest words. And that's very true in this verse. The most important words in verse 2 are, so that. So that. So that connects what has come before with what comes after. Right? Verse 1 happens, so that verse 2 happens. Israel is seeking this blessing from God. May God bless us and keep us and make His face shine upon us so that all nations of the earth may know and see and fear God so that His blessing may be extended to all nations. In other words, Israel is not just blessed for themselves. Israel is not just blessed to keep God's blessing to themselves and hoard it for themselves. They are blessed so that through them God's blessing might extend to all nations of the earth. Israel is blessed so that all nations might come to share in this blessing that God has given Israel. God's intention is that all nations would come under that blessing of Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. That all nations, all peoples everywhere might have the opportunity to come under the blessing of God, not just Israel. So you get a glimpse right at the beginning of the psalm of where this is going that God has a huge plan for the nations, that when God chose Israel, even further back than that, when God chose Abraham, when God chose Abraham and made these promises to him as the father of the Jewish people, he made these promises to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. And from you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. See, the promise is right back there in Genesis 12, that through Abraham... All the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's not that God had this plan for Israel, and then that didn't really work, so God then went off looking for some other nations to be his friend. Right back at the beginning, God had this plan for the nations, and when he called Abraham and when he chose Israel, he had his eye on reaching all peoples. One writer puts it this way, paraphrasing John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he called Abraham. And chose Israel. It's not just that Jesus was the way of reaching the nations. It's that even before Christ, God's plan was always to reach the nations. And Israel was part of that plan. Israel was the means by which God's blessing would be extended out to all the nations of the earth. So God's got a huge plan in mind. And then verses 3 and 4 and 5 in the psalm give us this picture of what it looks like for the nations to share in this blessing. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. When you think about it, it's a a stunning picture, especially given the time that this was written. It's at a time when Israel was warring against these nations. So many of the other Psalms talk about God bring the nations down. Judge the nations, condemn the nations, destroy the nations. It's this adversarial kind of language. Israel was attacked by the nations. Israel was conquered by these other nations like Babylon, like Assyria. They were the enemies. They were the bad guys. And yet here is this beautiful picture that in fact God's plan is not to condemn the nations and not to judge the nations. God's plan is to bring the nations in. God's plan is to bring the nations in to praise him. And you have this beautiful picture of nations, these nations who were the, the, the enemies of Israel, coming to join in Israel's worship of God, coming to participate in this worship service Israel is having to their God, Yahweh. This picture of these other nations putting aside their old gods, 
the Baals and whoever else, and coming to join in the worship of the one true God alongside Israel. It's a spectacular picture. But it begs the question, how is this going to happen? I mean, for this psalmist, for people at this time, they're looking around. Israel is at war with all of these nations. How is it going to happen that the nations are going to come in, that the nations are going to come and give praise to Israel's God? And the answer comes through the rest of Scripture. The answer comes as we follow the biblical story along, 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 all the way to the end. Let me read you a verse right from the end of the Bible. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it from Revelation 5. And this is talking now about Jesus. Verse 9, Because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So the question is, how do you get from Abraham and Israel to all nations? And the answer is, through Jesus. Because when Christ died on the cross, he absorbed the sin, not just of Israel, but of all humanity. He made it possible for all people to be reconciled to God, Jews as well as Gentiles, non-Jews. He carried the sin of the world on his shoulders, and so he purchased for God people from every tribe, every language, every culture, every nation under heaven. He purchased a people for God by his blood, which would represent the diversity of cultures on the earth. And those people who belong to Christ, who are united to him, they become part of this kingdom. They become a priesthood. And that's language that described Israel in the Old Testament. They were the kingdom. They were the priesthood. But now through Jesus, all nations are invited to become part of this group. All nations are invited into the kingdom. All nations are invited to become this holy priesthood of God. The true spiritual people of God made up of people from every tribe, tongue and nation who worship Jesus, who love Jesus, who are united to Jesus. That's the nations. And it's amazing to think here we are this morning and we are the nations. Right? I mean, here, here we are. In fact, let's just do quickly a little experiment here. On the count of three, I want you to yell out the country you were born in. Okay? One, two, three. Yeah. There's a bit of South Africa in there, I thought I heard somewhere. <laughs> we are the nations, right? Not every single nation, but we're a diversity of people from many different nations. And here we are, and what are we doing this morning? We're worshiping God. We're coming before him, we're coming under his rule, we're coming under his guidance, we're coming under his word, we're worshiping God. Aren't we doing exactly what this psalm describes? May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Were you singing for joy? Maybe it should be, the nations be glad and sing half-heartedly. That might be a better description, sometimes. But here we are, and we are praising God, and we are the fulfillment of this Psalm. You know, the psalmist looks to that day when it's not just Israel worshiping God, it's all nations, and we, that psalm is coming true as we worship this morning. We've got two people in our church who are Jewish, and the reason they are part of God's family is through faith in Jesus, and the rest of us are the Gentiles, non-Jews, but we are the reason we are part of God's family is through faith in Jesus, and together we're all the nations. And we're here and we're worshiping God and the psalm is coming true as we meet and we worship and we live out our faith together. We've become this, this people of blessing. That's the reason that we can pray for children, the Lord bless you 
and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Not just because it's a nice prayer, but there's a richness underneath that prayer that these children and all of us are now coming under a blessing that was once promised to Israel, but has now been extended out to all nations of the earth to become part of God's family. Now, there's one final movement of the psalm, and it's so important to catch right at the end of the psalm. The last verse of the psalm says, May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So there again, we have that little phrase, so that. So that. And it connects the phrase that comes before it with the phrase that comes after it. May God bless us, us who are here, the nations worshiping God. May God bless us so that, why? What's the reason? What's the purpose? So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. See, it's the same movement as before. The reason that we are blessed, the reason that we bask in the blessing of God as we do this morning is not just for us. It's not just for our own sakes, but it's so that we might be a blessing to others. It's so that we might continue to reach the nations, that we might continue to reach those who are not yet part of God's family, that we might continue extending the blessing of God out. It's a principle you find again and again in Scripture. People are blessed to be a blessing. Why was Israel blessed? In order to be a blessing to the nations. Why was Abraham blessed? In order to be a blessing to the nations. Why was Daniel blessed in exile? So that through him, God's blessing might come to the nations, specifically Babylon. Why are we blessed as God's church? So that through us, God's blessing might extend out to all nations, all peoples, everywhere. We're not just called together. We're called together to be sent out. We're called together to be a part of God's mission in the world of reaching the nations. We are to be the conduits of God's blessing. The ones that have now come under God's blessing, that's us. We now become the agents of his blessing in the world. We become those who are now enlisted in God's mission of reaching the nations. It's a, it's a big idea, I know, that all the ends of the earth might come to see and love and fear God. That's our, that's our commission. That's our calling. But it happens in very practical ways. You need to break down that lofty idea into, into small little pieces. It happens in the kind of ways that Josh was describing before. He's going over to Taiwan, be part of the World University Games, as he interacts with people over there, as he talks with athletes. And it doesn't matter whether they're, they're Kiwi athletes or from any other nation. We're all the nations, right? New Zealanders need to be reached as much as anyone else. South Africans need to be reached as much as anyone else. We're all the nations. But as he connects with people, as he looks for the opportunity to talk to people about Jesus, he's fulfilling the psalm. He's embodying the spirit of Psalm 67, that all peoples of the earth might be blessed, that all peoples might come to call God Lord and come to worship him. He's taking steps to do that. Think about uh, Andrew Finlay and David Buscombe at the moment, two of our people spending the last couple of weeks in Vanuatu on this remote island of Tanna, building an evacuation center. I just got the framing up in the last couple of days, and it'll be a refuge for people from severe weather. And in the meantime, it'll be a community center for people to use. And they're doing it through Nazi Twan, which is an organization we support as a church, which empowers local people, local churches, local Christians, local Christian leaders to reach people in their villages, reach people in their communities, to provide sustainability, to help them live well, to live healthy lives, and looking for the opportunities to point people to the hope that's found in Jesus. They are fulfilling the psalm. 
As they put up the framing of that evacuation center, they are embodying what the psalm calls us to do. They're reaching the nations, reaching the peoples of the earth. And it doesn't just have to be going overseas, does it? Because the nations are here. We are the nations this morning. The nations are on our doorstep. Auckland is one of the most multi-ethnic cities in the world. The nations are all here. Think about the work that Jill does with refugee services. Think about the opportunities. When she and, and other people get alongside refugee families and help them settle, help them integrate, provide things they need, provide some support, just provide some friendship to them, she is fulfilling the psalm. She's fulfilling the spirit of Psalm 67, extending that blessing that she's received from God beyond herself. So it's not, it doesn't just stay with us. It doesn't just stay with me. It doesn't just stay with my family, my church family. But through her, through others, God's blessing is moving out to the nations. God's blessing is moving out to other people. And it doesn't have to necessarily be at an organizational level. It doesn't necessarily have to be Athletes in Action or Nazi Twan or Refugee Services. This just happens in ordinary conversations, doesn't it? It happens in ordinary ways as we take whatever opportunities are there, people in our own worlds, people in our own sphere of influence, whatever opportunities that we have to extend God's blessing, to show God's love to people, to share God's love with people, to pray for people, to point people towards God in some way. As we take these steps, we're fulfilling this psalm. I had a random little conversation the other day with a woman uh, as we were sitting on the sidelines of soccer, watching our kids play soccer, soccer practice. And she'd heard me having a conversation with someone else about a Christian radio station. And then she piped up and started asking a few questions. Asking, she had a nine-year-old son, and she wanted to take him to a church. She wanted to get him involved in, in, in a kids' program and a kids' ministry, and she started asking about a church, and I thought, this is fantastic. So we sort of talked about kids' ministry and some of the opportunities, and I invited her along to shore, and uh, conversation went on for a few minutes, and then it kind of petered out, and we, and we moved on. And it, it came, and it went, and there was no uh, big, you know, there's no gospel presentation, and I don't know what that will come of that, if anything. She may come along one day, she may not. I've got to trust God with what he does with the seeds that have been sown. But it was a moment there, and you know these moments, right? You have these moments, and it's easy when those moments come along to just let them go, or at worst, we kind of make them go because we want to change the subject because it's awkward. But those are the moments this big idea of reaching the nations comes down to a million little conversations that we have in moments that will come and go so quickly and they're moments to grab hold of and lean into and say a word, speak up, share a perspective, tell a bit of our story, point people to faith, invite them along. Whatever the moment needs, whatever the moment demands, lean into those moments and step into those moments. As you do, you're living out this psalm. You're living out God's calling. You're being part of this huge plan to reach all nations, to bring all nations into God's people. Have you got people you're praying for? Have you got people in your life, in your world, that you're praying for that they would come to know Christ? If, not, if nothing else, start there. Start by lifting up their names in God to prayer and praying that he'd draw them, that he'd draw them to himself. Because what happens is you start praying for people and then you become a little bit more aware of the opportunities that were there all along, but you didn't see them. Because your antenna's raised now and you see the opportunities to say something, to have a conversation, but just start by praying. Start with a discipline of lifting up the names of people to God that you know who don't know Jesus and praying that he would draw them to himself that he would reach the nations 
through you because it's his work and not ours. And as we take these steps, these little steps, everyday steps, ordinary steps, we do all this in view of the day when this psalm is going to be finally fulfilled. Because this is being fulfilled now partially, but the day is coming when there'll be the fullness of this psalm. And the way the Bible pictures it in Revelation is it's going to be like this is when Jesus returns, there's going to be a great multitude that nobody can count this huge multitude of people, and it will represent all those throughout the world and down through history who belong to Christ, who are are loved, who are chosen, who have accepted him, who are part of his family, this massive international multitude of people, and they'll be gathered there around the throne, and they'll be dressed in white robes representing the righteousness of Christ that we've received. And they'll be singing, they'll be worshiping God, saying salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. To Him be praise and glory and honor and power and wisdom forever and ever. Amen. That's the end goal of God's plan for the nations. That there would be this multicultural community of people worshiping God around His throne. And it's fascinating that in that picture that we get in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, the nations are still the nations. You know, it's people of every tribe, every tongue, every ethnicity, every culture. It's like culture hasn't dissolved away. You know, one of the U2's songs, Bono talks about how all the colors will bleed into one. I'm not sure he got that bit right. I'm not sure all the colors will bleed into one. I think in the new creation, the colors will still be the colors. I wonder if all the colors of, of the world, the, all the ethnicities and cultures, will still be all the ethnicities and cultures. We may still have a sense of our own cultural identity in the new creation, whatever that may be. But our cultural identity will be contained within a much bigger and greater and more glorious identity, which is that we are children of God. And that transcends everything. The ultimate goal of God's plan for the nations is that people of every tribe and tongue and nation would come to worship him around the throne. That's where it's heading, and that's what we've got to keep our eye on. John Piper says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate. In other words, the final goal of God's plan for the nations is worship. And while we look to that day, and until that day arrives, we are called to mission. Because mission is the means to that goal. Why do we reach people for Christ? Why do we seek to talk about our faith with others? Why why are we part of this mission to reach the nations? So that one more person might become part of that multitude. So that two more people might become part of that great community on that day, worshiping God. So that three more people might be drawn into that family and be with us on that day, saying salvation belongs to our God. That's why missions exist. That's why evangelism exists. That's why we reach others, so that they might be part of that worshiping community. Now, the results of all that are in God's hands. We rely on Him to turn the heart. We rely on Him to open the eyes of faith. But we can speak up and we can show God's love to people And we can allow ourselves in simple, humble, ordinary ways to be God's conduit of blessing to other people. And we can be here for more than just ourselves. And we can exist as a church for more than just ourselves. We can exist so that God's blessing flows out from us to the nations, to a lost and a broken and a hurting and a needy world, right?
The second verse of the national anthem is not as well known or not as often sung, but it says this, Men of every creed and race, gather here before thy face, asking thee to bless this place. God defend our free land. Such resonance with Psalm 67, would you say? The same ideas, the same theme. And Again, this is us, men and women and children of every creed and race and color gathered here today before God, before his face. His face is turned towards us. His face shines upon us with favor. And we're asking God to bless us in this place. But here's where it changes. We're not just asking God to bless us. That's the, that's the heart of this psalm. We're not just seeking God's blessing for us. We're asking that God's blessing would flow through us. We're asking that God would bless us so that we might become a blessing to the nations. So that through us, His glory and His power and His love and His kindness and His compassion would be revealed so that the nations may come to hear, so the nations may come to see, so the nations may come to worship the one true God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the God of nations. Father God, we thank you that this is your desire and your plan. And it has been from the very beginning. God, we just step back and we, we just marvel at this plan, this story that is in motion, that stretches right throughout Scripture, your desire and your heart to reach the nations. And Father, we confess so often we're focused just on our own personal little relationship with you. And we want that to be stronger, God. We do. We want to be more full of your spirit. But Father, we pray today that you lift our eyes to see your heart for the nations. Father, we pray that, Jesus, those words you said, lift up your eyes. The fields are ripe for harvest. We pray, God, that we would see that harvest and that we would see the harvest is all around us. God, help us to learn to see the nations that are in our lives all around us all the time, people of every nation, including our own. And Father, help us to see them as lost sheep without a shepherd, people in desperate need of your love, in need of your guidance, in need of your salvation. And God, we want to say to you this morning, weak as we are and frail as we are, God, use us. In some small way, use us. Father, we often don't know how and we don't know what to say and we feel awkward and we don't know where to start. But God, we just want to say this morning, use us. We just acknowledge we are your plan to reach the nations. There is no other plan. We are your plan. And so God, use us. Prompt us. Father, through this coming week, help us to be really tuned in to the little promptings of your spirit in our lives. Promptings to pray for others. Promptings to, to strike up conversation with others. Promptings to ask a question of others. Lord, promptings you're stirring some of us maybe to join with an organization that's reaching others. To join in with a project that's reaching others. And Father, whatever it is, stir our hearts. Keep us focused on more than ourselves. We thank you for your blessing. We receive your blessing. But God, bless us so that, so that we might be a blessing to the nations. And we pray it would all be for your glory and for Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to share in communion now, and this takes us to the heart of God's plan for the nations. I want to encourage you as you have communion this morning. Very often we take this meal and we kind of go into a cocoon. 
We go into a little kind of self-enclosed bubble and we make it about my relationship with Jesus. And that's an important dimension. But this morning, I want to ask you to get out of the cocoon and think about the way that the cross and these emblems that you're holding and what they represent, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, brings salvation to the nations. I want to ask you to zoom out this morning and think about the big picture and what these emblems represent in the scope of eternity and around the world. And just let God stir your heart and speak whatever he might want to speak into your life as you contemplate that this morning. So when you're ready, you can move to the side tables. There's four tables around the room. Take these emblems. Let's celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.